Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 6. We'll continue along the lines that we've been teaching in uh, both Sunday mornings and also uh, in healing school for the last number of weeks concerning the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that after Jesus was baptized by by John the Baptist in the river Jordan, the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove and Everybody that was there heard a voice from heaven, the voice of God who said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately, the Bible tells us that, that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. He led him out there to, to spend 40 days praying and fasting to prepare himself for the three years of ministry here on the earth that he was about to enter into. And, uh, and I want you to see in... Uh, uh, well, let's... It, it, the Bible tells us about how Satan came and tempted him at the end of the 40 days or near the end of the 40 days. Let's start reading in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of ne- Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, please notice in verse 17, it's the first thing the Bible tells us about Jesus entering into his ministry. First thing. It says, from that time, the very beginning of his ministry, his public ministry, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, skip with me. We'll come back to Matthew chapter 4. But skip with me over just a page or so to the 6th chapter of Matthew. I made this statement this morning, but maybe it bears repetition. We pastored this church for 30 years. It'll be 31 in January. And I've been in the ministry for several years before that, following... um, graduating from high, uh, high school, graduating from Bible school, and, and spent several years working with Brother Hagen, and it was a semi-public ministry for several years, but then we were on our own traveling around in the States and doing some work over in Europe as well in uh, full-time public ministry. And I'll have to say in those 35 years, I have until recently, within the last several months, always looked at the phrase, the the kingdom of God, as a generic phrase that could mean anything pertaining to God, the word of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, and so forth. But I don't look at it that way anymore. I believe it's a very specific phrase. I believe it's very specific to, to Jesus' ministry. I believe it's very specific to the work of the church, particularly the end time church. And the more I study, the more I meditate on these things, the more convinced I am that it's been a work of the devil to make everybody think, me included, but to keep hidden the real meaning, the true meaning of this phrase, the kingdom of God, so that we don't enter into it. Because I've got to tell you, over the last several months, the study that I've done, the reading I've done, the meditating I've done, and even the preaching that I've done on this subject... It's changing everything about me. I'm gaining confidence in things that I've never had confidence in before. I'm gaining boldness in areas that I've never been bold before. It's changing everything about me. And I believe that's on purpose. I mean, it's not like I couldn't have done this in times past. God's been waiting on me the whole time, I'm sure. But thank God my eyes are finally being opened. Now in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives the disciples what the church world calls the Lord's Prayer. It was really the disciples' prayer. And it's not a New Testament prayer. It was for a specific period of time for the three years that Jesus was here on the earth in his earthly ministry. The reason it's not a New Testament prayer is because John sixteen twenty three tells us, Jesus said, in the day following his resurrection, the church age, the day we're living in, He said, you shall ask me no more questions. 
But whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. So that means that prayer in the New Testament is to be directed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Well, this prayer that's called the Lord's Prayer doesn't contain the name of Jesus, so it can't be and can't qualify as a New Testament prayer. And, of course, Jesus knew that. He knew that this was was not a New Testament prayer. But it's a prayer that served for those three years of his public ministry here on the earth. So notice what he said. Let's start in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 9. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Now, he didn't say pray these specific words. He said pray like this. This prayer contains some great principles for us. The first thing that he starts off saying, our Father, that's who the prayer is directed to. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Magnify God's holiness. But then the very next thing that he says in verse 10, he tells the disciples to pray that something would come, which by definition means it has not already come. He wouldn't have wasted his time telling them to pray for something that was already here, would he? Nor would he tell them to pray for something that wasn't the will of God to be here. So what does he tell them? Holy Father, which art in heaven, thy kingdom come. Jesus wanted the kingdom of God to come. Which means God wants the kingdom of God to come. So what did he do? He told the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come. Now we know that it has come now. It came through the sacrifice and the work of redemption on the cross. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection paid the eternal price for mankind, for the original sin of mankind as well as our individual sins. Jesus said in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, who was amazed by the miracles. He said, Master, we know that you are come from God because nobody can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus starts talking about being born again. He said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's that phrase again, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is thinking naturally and he says, well, how can a man be born again the second time? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb? He didn't understand that Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. Then Jesus went on to say, this is chapter 3 of of John verse 5. Jesus went on to say, except a man be born of water, natural birth, and of the spirit, being born again, spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus seemed to put a great emphasis on the kingdom of God. He put a great emphasis on on the kingdom of God to his disciples when he taught them to pray. And he put a great emphasis on it with Nicodemus who was amazed by the miracles. Jesus, in other words, connected the miraculous with the kingdom of God. We'll see why in just a minute. Back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus taught his disciples to pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now he's going to define what the kingdom is. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus defined this very specific and very important phrase. The kingdom of God as being that condition where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven now forgive me for repeating myself on a lot of this stuff but I think it's important to be honest with you because a lot of things don't sink in until we hear them over and over again but just about every Christian I know of is looking for heaven to be a place of escape now they won't admit that but the idea with so much of the modern day church Is that when we get to heaven, then all of our trouble will be over. We'll escape the the bounds of this, or the bonds of this fleshly body, the limitations of this flesh. We won't have any more trouble with the devil. No sickness, no disease, nothing that can hurt or harm mankind. There'll be no lack. There'll be no poverty. There'll be no reason to be depressed. Full-time joy, happiness. What a wonderful time that'll be. But folks, I want you to realize that Jesus is defining the kingdom of God as those conditions in your life 
here on the earth. That's what God wants. That's why Jesus brought the kingdom of God to the earth through his sacrifice, through his resurrection. Is so that you could have the things of God here, now, on the earth. Now, I understand the resistance to that. I understand how that our thoughts go toward reasons why that can't be or questions as to why that is not the case for us. I get it. But it still doesn't change the truth of what Jesus said. I could have 50,000 thoughts a second, each one of them being a doubt concerning the word of God, and that doesn't change the truth of the word. And I've found the more that I focus on the truth of the word and accept it to be true, even though I may still have questions, even though those thoughts of doubt still come to my mind, I've found that the more that I do that, the fewer doubts come. I'm renewing my mind more and more to the kingdom of God. I'd like to say that I was there 100%, but I'm sure a lot closer than I used to be. Jesus defines the kingdom of God for us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. Now back to Matthew chapter 4. This is why I believe it's important for the Bible to, to d- define for us and identify for us that is the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry was when he began to preach. This is verse 17 again in Matthew 4. From that time, Jesus began to preach. That means to proclaim, speak words. To preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, folks, if Jesus is preaching... Proclaiming that the kingdom of God is is close. Three years away. Would it not be appropriate for us to proclaim and to speak words saying the kingdom of God has come? It was important enough for Jesus to tell us that it was soon to be. Wouldn't that be important enough for us to proclaim that it's here? See, the idea that modern Christians have about whether or not it's the will of God for them to be healed is a settled issue. Now, there's a lot of ways we can prove it. And I've spent most of 30 years proving it from a variety of ways and a variety of perspectives. But the one sure way that nobody can argue with is in the definition of what Jesus gave us for the kingdom of God. There's one simple question to ask. Does God want anybody sick in heaven? Under any conditions, under under any imaginable condition, would God ever want anybody sick in heaven? But then unless Jesus lied to us, the kingdom of God coming, having come, means that it can't be the will of God for him to want anybody to be sick here on the earth. And see, that's a part of the kingdom coming. Are you out there? Good thing for you, I don't need a lot of people saying amen, huh? (laughs) Really, it's okay with me. I know that the things that I get the most or in the times when I'm the quietest, things are soaking in, sinking in. I just want to make sure that they're sinking in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus began to preach. The kingdom of God is soon to be. It's at hand. It's near. Now let's keep reading. Let's see some of the results that he got from proclaiming that truth. And Jesus, verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, 
in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So now he's got four disciples. Verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. And here's this phrase again, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the good news that it's the will of God to be here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. Preaching the good news that the time is at hand. In his case, the time is at hand. In our case, the time has come. For the will of God to be done on the earth in your life for you just like it will be in heaven. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now why would Jesus do that? The modern day church says that Jesus healed to prove he was the son of God. Jesus said he did not. And if Jesus preached, or I'm sorry, if Jesus healed everybody because he was the son of God, then he would have gotten the same healing results everywhere he went because he was the same son of God in every town that he went to. But as we're going to see, he got differing results based on the reception that he received in each city. Jesus said, the works that I do, I, do, I don't do them of myself. Which means he can't be doing them because he's the son of God. He went on to say the father in me he doeth the works. What does that mean? That means the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon him. That came upon him when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Was the source of power. That enabled him to heal and do miracles. Still connected with the kingdom of God according to what he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Still connected with the kingdom of God, but not, but the source of it was not because Jesus was the son of God, if he told us the truth. Now, why was he able to heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease? Because it's the will of God to be, for things to be here on the earth, just like they are in heaven. And there's no problem with sickness or disease in heaven. There should be no problem with sickness and disease for us here on the earth. So he went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that God's will is to be here on the earth just like it is in heaven and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. Boy, with all the problems going on in Syria today, they could use a revival of the power of God, couldn't they? Thank God they'll have it. I'll prove it to you. And his fame went out, went throughout all Syria, and they brought into him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases. That means different diseases and torments. And those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. That means he healed them all. Now, how is it that Jesus was able to heal them all? The modern-day church says in many cases that God wants them to be sick to teach them something or to perfect them or to make them more holy or, or whatever dumb excuse they give. But Jesus healed them all as a result of the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. As a result of the preaching of the good news that it's the will of God for things to be here on the earth in your life. Just like it is in heaven. He healed them all. Now turn with me over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 gives us Luke's account of the same time period. The beginning of the chapter tells us about Jesus being tempted of the devil in the wilderness. That came after he was anointed by the Holy Ghost when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And after the temptation had ended, verse 14 it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Now what that means is what we just read in Matthew chapter 4. He went about their cities and villages 
teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. That's what this is. Uh, that's what this verse encapsulates or summarizes. That Matthew gives us a little bit more detail. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth. Now, if you'll notice in chapter four of Matthew, we just read that he was in Capernaum and the region around Capernaum. Now he goes to Nazareth, a different place. He's already been to Capernaum. We know that because he references the works that he did there. But he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, why is it his custom to go into synagogue and teach or read? Because the Bible just told us he went teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The good news that it's the will of God to be here on the earth now, just like it's going to be in heaven when we get there. And, and as far as God's concerned, just like it is in heaven. That was his custom. His custom was to tell people that God wants it to be for you here on this earth just like it is in heaven. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, the reason that I'm pointing this out is because I think it's important for us to recognize and understand that the Bible tells us what preaching the good news or the gospel of the kingdom looks like or sounds like. If we just say that Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom but don't have an example of his preaching, then we're left at least a little bit in the dark. At the very, at the very least, we're at least in the shadows. But the Bible shines the light on what Jesus preached as the gospel of the kingdom. In Nazareth, he opened the scrolls to what we know of as Isaiah 61. And he read... From the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what gospel do you think he's talking about? If not the gospel of the kingdom of God, it has to be the gospel of the kingdom of God, because that's what the Bible says. Jesus went about preaching and teaching in their synagogues everywhere he went. So when he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, he means the good news that God wants things for you to be here on the earth, just like they'll be in heaven. No escape to heaven. Bring heaven here. That's the will of God. So he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, what is the good news to the poor? Only good news I know for the poor is that they don't have to say poor. Why? Because you can't be poor in heaven. God doesn't want you poor here. Now, you can be if you want to. You don't have to have it the way God wills for it to be. But it's the will of God for you to be abundantly supplied here on the earth just like it is in heaven. So he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. Please notice, folks, that the Spirit of God anointed Jesus to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I wonder if the Spirit of the Lord anoints people to do that today. Or is that just Jesus? Well, keep that thought in your mind. The Bible answers it for us. He's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. That means to proclaim, speak words concerning the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. He has sent me. The Spirit of the Lord has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That means brokenness in spirit. It doesn't mean hurt feelings. It's talking about heal in every way, not just physical healing, but it certainly includes that. He's anointed him to preach deliverance to the captives. Notice how people that are captive are set free. Through the preaching, the proclaiming that God not only wants them to be set free, but that Jesus has accomplished the work for them to be set free. To preach deliverance to the captives and the word and controls the word preach. It's a compound sentence. It means just like I've been anointed to preach deliverance to the captives, I've been anointed to preach recovering of sight for the blind. Notice how the blind regain their sight. Through the preaching. That it's the will of God for you to be here on the earth just like you are in heaven. Anybody going to have to wear glasses in heaven? 
Well, then nobody would certainly be blind in heaven, would they? Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set at liberty them that are bruised. Again, that's setting people from the bondage of the enemy, the destruction that he's brought into their lives. And finally, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord means the year of Jubilee. It's where there's a giant reset. It happened once every 50 years. It's a giant reset where the original possession goes back to the inheritors. In other words, if you've sold property, had to sell property to gain money or whatever, that property reverts back to you. Whatever you originally owned as a part of the inheritance of the children of Israel, that inheritance comes back to you. That possession comes back to you. That's a pretty good deal. You could well understand that there was no financing plan beyond 50 years. Because everything reverts back to its original owner. In other words, it's God showing that he wants things to be reverted back to or to revert back to the way that he originally intended. Just like it is for us, it's the will of God for things to revert for us here on the earth back to the way they were when he created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. Free from every work of the devil. Now he closed the book, verse 20, it says he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, please notice verse 21, he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, he's saying this is, and everybody understood these were scriptures that referred to the Messiah. He's saying these are not going to come to pass someday. These have come to pass this day. This is the time where those scriptures are true. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, which means he said a lot of other stuff too, concerning God and the kingdom of God and so forth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Long story short, we won't take time to read through the scripture, but long story short, Jesus is rejected by the people of Nazareth where he had been brought up. Now, one thing that he makes mention of is he says, I know what you'll say unto me. You'll say unto me, the works that we've heard that you did in Capernaum, do those here too. Which means he's done miracles in Capernaum. That's what Matthew 4 just told us. So he's done those miracles in Capernaum. They want to see the show. Do those same miracles here. But Mark chapter 6 tells us the account that Mark, the, the, in Mark 6, he gives us an account of the same story, the same time where he's in Nazareth. And it says in verse 5 of Mark chapter 6, and he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say that he wouldn't. It says that he couldn't. Now look it up for yourself if you need to see it, if you're not familiar with it. It says, and he could there do no mighty work, save or accept that he laid his hands on a few folks few sick folks the word sick there is literally the word sickly it means people with minor ailments and got them healed which means that jesus didn't have any healing miracles in nazareth he might have gotten somebody with a headache or a cold or something like that healed through the laying on of hands but that's about all the results that he could get he couldn't get any healing miracles no blind eyes were open no cripples walked it says and he could there do no mighty work he could there. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Now, folks, this is, it goes back to the point that I made earlier. If Jesus healed because he was the son of God, why didn't he heal in Nazareth? Well, the Bible says that he couldn't. Now, I know that squirrels some people's thinking of. You're saying there's something that the son of God couldn't do? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things the son of God can't do. Well, name one. Well, he can't lie, can he? He can't force you to do something against your will, can he? Folks, let me tell you something. If God could make people do whatever he wanted them to do, every Christian would pay their tithes. But you can ask any pastor anywhere in the country, in the world for that matter, they'll tell you that that's not the case. If God could make anybody and everybody do whatever he wanted them to do, why didn't he make everybody get saved? 
Bible says God takes no delight in somebody going to hell, rejecting Jesus and going to hell. But he's left that up to the will of the individual. In fact, it says it's the will of God for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, if it's the will of God for them to be saved, why, aren't, why isn't everybody saved? Because they choose not to be. They choose to reject Jesus instead of accepting. So there's a lot of things that God can't do. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, God's sovereign. That's true. He's sovereign according to his word. The Bible says in Psalm 137 that God has exalted his word above his name. That means it's not a matter of God's ability or God's power. It's what has he declared that he will do. And he has declared that man has authority to choose, not him. God doesn't make that choice. Man does. So again, Mark 6, 5, it says, And Jesus could there in his own hometown of Nazareth, he could there do no mighty work, save or except he laid his hands upon a few sick folks. And it goes on to say in the next verse, And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages teaching. He's trying to overcome the unbelief. Why? Because unbelief stopped the Son of God from doing the works that God sent him to do. Now, Jesus is preaching the same good news of the kingdom of God. He's preaching the same truth that it's the will of God for things to be in for the people in Nazareth here on the earth, just like they'll be in heaven. Same message he preached in Capernaum. In Capernaum, he got miraculous results. In Nazareth, he got very few results and no healing miracles. No mighty work was done. What made the difference? The difference was in the belief of the people. In Capernaum, they believed. In Nazareth, they refused to believe. Now turn with me over to John, to uh, Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, the Bible tells us a, a little bit more about Jesus in this gospel of the kingdom. I want you to see that this was not just exclusive to Jesus. The gospel of the kingdom is for all the people of God. Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. Then called he his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them. Everybody notice verse 2. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. And heal the sick. What did he send them to do? Same thing he's been doing. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. The good news. That it's the will of God for things to be here in your life on the earth. Just like they are in heaven. Now notice he did not commission them. He did not anoint them to pray for the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. You can't find anybody anywhere, Jesus included, that was ever anointed to pray for the sick. That's one of those sayings that's kind of crept into our vocabulary in the modern day church. In churches that believe in healing. But I think that phrase has done us a great disservice. Because it leaves the impression that we are to pray to ask God to do something about healing the sick. Now, folks, do you remember that Jesus, after his resurrection, said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth? Do you remember that the Bible says that we are the body of Christ? Do you remember that the Bible says that man was given authority on the earth and over all the works of God's hands here in the earth? Then let me ask you a question. How in the world is Jesus, seated in heaven at the right hand of God, going to heal anybody here on the earth? He's not here. He doesn't have a flesh and bone body. How is he going to do a healing work here on the earth? There's only one way possible, and that is to do it through us. That's why the Bible says that Jesus immediately upon declaring that all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, sent his disciples into the earth to to preach the gospel to the kingdom. You remember Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. 
And even greater works than these shall you do. How are we going to do them? By preaching the same thing he preached. The gospel of the kingdom. Now the results of Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom was healing. What should be the results of us preaching the gospel of the kingdom? Prayer. Are we supposed to change what the Bible says? To preach the good news that God wants things to be here on the earth just like they are in heaven. This related to sickness and disease. God doesn't want you to be sick here on the earth because he doesn't want you to be sick in heaven. And then pray that God will do something about bringing it about. That's not what Jesus gave his disciples authority to do. He commissioned them to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. Folks, the church is commissioned to heal the sick, not pray for the sick. Notice in verse 6, it says, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel. What gospel do you think he's talking about? Got to be the same gospel in verse 2, the, the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. So they went, they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, in other words, and healing everywhere. They're not praying for anybody. They're healing. Why? Because it's the will of God for things to be here on the earth for you just like they're going to be in heaven. God's already made his declaration. This is how it is. This is what my will is. There's nothing to pray about. The church is authorized and the church is anointed to heal, not to pray concerning the sick. Look with me over to chapter 10. Verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Then he says a bunch of stuff that we won't read. And then notice in verse 8, it says, into whatsoever city you enter, if they receive you. And they receive you. That means if they will. Eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Notice Jesus tells the 70 in his instructions to them about the work that they are to do. He connects the healing of the sick with the kingdom of God. He says heal the sick. He's authorized them. He's anointed them to heal the sick wherever they go if the city will receive them. See unbelief in the city would, would hinder them just like it hindered Jesus in Nazareth. So he's commissioned them. He's authorized them. He's anointed them, empowered them to heal the sick and to say, this is part of the kingdom of God. This healing is a result of the kingdom of God being near, soon, close for us, present. Now look with me over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Is this making any sense to anybody? I know this is covering some of the ground that we've covered before. But I take pleasure in remembering what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed to put you in remembrance of stuff I've told you before. Because I am firmly convinced, folks, that the more we preach this, the more we talk about this, the more we study this, the more it's going to take root in in our hearts. And the more results we'll get. Because the Bible says the Lord confirms his word with signs following. Well, what, do you, what signs do you think would accompany or would follow the preaching of the good news. That God wants things to be here for you in this life on the earth. Just like they are in heaven. Those signs will be people's lives rearranged. People set free that are bound. People healed that are sick. And so forth. Matthew 24. The disciples asked Jesus. What shall be. uh, Well verse 3. Here's the question. They asked him saying. Tell us when shall these signs be. Talking about when Jesus has already said. The temple will be destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. So they said tell us. When shall these things be. And what shall be the sign of your coming. And of the end of the world. He's asked them three questions. Or they've asked him three questions. When shall the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? And what are the signs of the end of the world? 
Everything in chapter 25 has to do with those three questions, the answering of those three questions. Now, sometimes people mix up what Jesus was saying about the sign of his coming as to be the sign of the end of the world and vice versa. But if you understand that Jesus is answering the three questions, then you can clearly understand what he's talking about. Now, I don't want to read through all of it. You know some of it about wars and rumors of wars and nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. By the way, that has to do with the race riots that are taking place in our country. It has to do with the genocide that's taking place in certain places in the Middle East, Syria for one. Those are end time signs. But I want you to notice in verse 14, Jesus said that the sign that I believe pertains to the church more than any of the other signs that he refers to. Most of them are signs of the earth and signs of the world, but he gives us a sign of the church. Verse 14, he said, in this gospel of the kingdom, notice that phrase. Jesus did not use that phrase casually, folks. He means something very specific when he uses it, and he uses it a lot. He said, in this gospel, good news of the kingdom. Remember, at the time Jesus says this, it had not yet come, but it's soon. For us, it has already come. So he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. That means Syria, that means Russia, that means China. In all the world. Notice the next thing he says, for a witness. Now, the word witness means with proof or evidence. So he's saying this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. In all the world, every part of the world. With signs following. With healing miracles to accompany. With people being set free from the power of the devil. That's the proof and the evidence that, that Jesus had when he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Why should we expect there to be different results? Especially when he said we'd do the same works that he did. Now he's commissioning the church, telling the church that the end time sign shall be that this gospel, good news of the kingdom, it's got to be the kingdom of God he's talking about, shall be preached in all the world for a witness or with proof or evidence unto all nations. Now, folks, I want you to understand what he's saying. If you can accept it, Jesus is saying every nation shall see the power of God. That means Mr. Putin won't have an excuse when he stands before God. That means Kim Jong idiot over in North Korea won't have any excuse. He'll have seen the power of God. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness with proof or evidence unto all nations. And then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. Notice Jesus is telling the church what its end time commission is. To preach the good news that God wants things to be in on the earth just like they are in heaven. Now remember the Bible says, Paul said concerning the end times, he said men will get worse and worse. That means more and more wicked. That means the more and more wicked the world gets, the more and more the church will see the power of God in demonstration. It doesn't mean that there'll be utopia here on the earth. It doesn't mean that everybody will turn to God and the plans of the devil will stop. In fact, just the reverse is true. The plans of the devil will increase and accelerate. Now, whether you know this or not, that's what this election is about. It's about how fast the devil's plans will accelerate. And to be perfectly honest with you, that's all it's about. Now, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, here is telling us about Jesus at his resurrection. 
appearing to the disciples following his resurrection. Verse 18, it's what's known as the Great Commission. Every church organization would tell you that this is the work of the church for the last days. For any day. This is the Great Commission. Notice what Jesus commissioned the church to do. He's already told the disciples, the same ones that he tells this, he just told them in chapter 24 that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness with proof and evidence unto all nations and then shall the end come. Now he's commissioning the church following his resurrection. Matthew 24 was before he went to the cross. Matthew 28 is after he's raised again from the dead. Because the circumstances have changed. They've changed because the kingdom of God has now come. So he says to them, all power, literally the word authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Please notice the word therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, it's tying together what was just said to what's about to be said. Don't take verse 18 by itself. It's not a standalone verse. Most of the church world looks at it that way. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's where people stop thinking, stop reading the Bible, stop trying to comprehend what the Bible says and what God told us to do. And they think, well, God's got all the authority. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God with all authority in heaven and earth. So God, you do something about my problem. Lord, heal me if it's your will. We already know the answer to that one. But notice Jesus said, go ye therefore. Therefore ties into the authority that he's just declared that has been given to him in verse 18. All authority has been given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Now where are we supposed to go? Heaven or earth? It's only the two places Jesus said he had authority was heaven and earth. Where is he now? He's in heaven. Does he need your help up there? If there's anything for him to exercise authority over in heaven, does he need your help? Not at all. But since he is in heaven, the only way that he can operate here on the earth, according to what he said, was through somebody that has a flesh and blood body. He no longer has a flesh and blood body. He has a flesh and bone body. But his blood was spilled in the heavenly holy of holies to purchase an eternal redemption for you and me. So the only way for the, for the authority that Jesus has been given here on the earth to be exercised is going to have to be from somebody that's here on the earth. Are you still out there? All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore into the earth and teach all nations. The word teach literally means make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, folks, why is it that the church world says that the Great Commission is to go tell people that Jesus is raised from the dead? That's not what he said. Thank God he is raised from the dead. And I'm not speaking disparagingly of that in any way whatsoever. But Jesus is not giving them a new commission. He's not giving them new instructions. He says, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. In other words, remember that stuff I told you before? Still works the same way now. What did he tell them before? Remember in Luke chapter 9? He called his 12 together and gave them authority to, over all sickness and disease and to cast out devils. And he sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. Now, in our case, the good news, there in their case in Matthew 28, the good news that the kingdom of God has come. The good news that it's the will of God for it to be here on the earth in your life, just like it is in heaven. We don't have to wait. We don't have to say it's close. We don't have to say it's coming. Now it has come. So what did he send them to do? What did he command them to do? He commanded them to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. That's what he sent them to do. He's not giving them a new charge now. 
in Matthew 28. Let's read it again. Because see, if the, if the commission, of the, the great commission of the church is to go tell everybody that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead and that's it. then it seems to me that the Holy Ghost sure messed up in the language. Because that's not anywhere in these verses we just read. Well, Pastor Mike, are you saying we shouldn't tell people about the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection? No, we should. We should tell them that in context with the kingdom of God having come. All power, literally authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore into the earth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Folks, notice how you make disciples. You make disciples by acting on verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. In other words, just like I'm commissioning you, authorizing you, anointing you with power to heal diseases and to preach the gospel of the kingdom, anybody that enters in and receives it enters into the kingdom of God through the new birth, they're commissioned and authorized to do the same thing. There's a never-ending multiplication of those who are commissioned and anointed and authorized to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that there's the will of God for things to be here on the earth in your life now, just like it is in heaven, and to heal the sick. Again, Jesus did not authorize them to pray for the sick. He authorized them to heal the sick. Why? Because it's part of the kingdom of God. And it's already come. It's already come. Let me show you one last scripture. James chapter 5. I'll cover this real quick because I know I'm out of time. James chapter 5. Beginning in verse 14. Pages are sticking together. There it is. James chapter 5 verse 14. James writing to the church. The local churches scattered abroad. Is any sick among you? The question implies that there should not be. Why? Because it's the will of God for you to be well here on the earth. Just like you'll be well in heaven. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, now see, Pastor Mike, the Bible tells us to pray for the sick. That word pray does not mean to make a request. That word pray means to vow or declare. If I make a vow that I'm going to serve God all the days of my life, no matter what, I haven't asked him to do anything. I've made a declaration that this is how it's going to be for me. Come hell or high water, this is it for me. So the word pray literally means vow or declare. The vow or the declaration of faith shall save the sick. Well, how do you save the sick? Healing is being saved from sickness. It's the same word that's translated heal in other places, heal and make whole in other places in the New Testament. So it says the vow of declaration or the vow of faith or the declaration of faith shall heal the sick it's not a prayer it's not a request that god will do something so many people are looking to receive their healing by some power coming down from heaven that's not where the power to heal is the power to heal is here in the church in you jesus told, or paul told us as much in in uh, romans chapter 8 verse 11 he said if the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he'll quicken or make alive your mortal bodies By his spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words the healing power of God is in you. So what are we praying that God will heal us for? He's already given us healing power. It's a part of the kingdom of God. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. And let them pray or vow or declare over them. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, same word, prayer, declaration or vow, 
the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The declaration of faith shall heal the sick. What does that mean? That means for us to make the declaration and for us to make the decision that because healing is a part of the kingdom of God and because I'm in it, I'm in that kingdom by virtue of the new birth. I declare that healing is the way it'll be for me. Healing is the way it'll be for me. Now notice the job of the elders. The job of the elders is to help making that vow or declaration of faith. What good will that do? It's the same thing that Jesus commissioned his disciples to do, to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. I want you to understand something, folks. As far as God is concerned, now it's different here on the earth. But that doesn't mean it's the will of God for it to be this way. It's the will of God for it to be here on the earth just like it is in heaven in every respect. It is the will of God for every church to have a special anointing to heal the sick. There's no other way you can interpret these scriptures. God has given to the local church a special anointing to heal the sick. Jesus authorized us to do it. He commissioned us to do it. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come. Every local church is commissioned, authorized, and anointed to heal the sick. Not to pray for the sick, but to make a declaration or a vow of faith. Because Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we are healed. We declare that healing is ours. And we refuse to have anything less because it's the will of God for it to be here on the earth just like it is in heaven. I'll say it again. There's no other way you can interpret these scriptures. That has to be true. Thank God it is. Every local church should be a healing center. Why isn't it? Because we don't understand the kingdom of God. But oh, we're starting to figure it out. Do you see it? Well, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you that we are authorized, commissioned, and anointed to heal the sick. The question posed by the Holy Ghost to the Apostle James, pastor of the church at Jerusalem, is any sick among you? Specifically implies that there should not be any sickness among the people of God. And Father, we thank you that you've made a way for that sickness to leave. For healing to occur for every one of your children. Whether the things that are facing us are minor or major or even life-threatening. Thank you, Father that the healing power of God rests and abides within your people and a gathering of your people together in the local church magnifies and amplifies that power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given to us. This is what Paul was talking about when he prayed for the church, that their eyes would be opened, that our eyes would be opened to know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power which works in us as believers. The exceeding greatness of his power which works in us as believers. 
local churches to be a healing and deliverance center. Setting people from the bondage of the enemy. Helping people to receive from God what they can't get on their own. Because it's the will of God for things to be for you here on the earth. Now. That the kingdom has come. Just like they are in heaven. Well if that ever sinks in. If that ever hits bottom so to speak. We'll become world changers. Just like we were designed to be. Thank you Lord for opening our eyes. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well now you know what the Bible says. Whether you act on it is up to you and me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being part of us.